1: Oh boy, on today's episode of Weekend at Bergman's, the first episode of Weekend at Bergman's, Joe and I debate the merits of two of cinema's most famous meditations on death. They're also the movies that gave this podcast its name. I'm talking about The Seventh Seal and Weekend at Bernie's. Joe, are you ready?
0: Oh, born ready, Brett.
1: Then roll that theme song. Every week you and I watch two movies together. Well, not quite together, cause we watch them apart. You at your house and me at mine. Whoa, every week we watch the same two movies. Yes, that's what I meant right from the start. But how do we choose these two movies? Well, one is a brilliant, beautiful work of cinematic art, the height of the medium. And the other one is mainstream. I'm talking pop baby Hollywood endings but what happens when we watch them back to back and have to say which one we liked better and we have to be honest welcome Welcome to Weekend at Bergman's. We're going to watch an art house movie and a mainstream movie. And we're going to tell you which one we liked better. And the one that we liked better, we're going to put in the canon. And then the one that we didn't like as much is going to go in the trash canon. And we're not allowed to watch it uh, ever again for the rest of our lives. Welcome to Weekend at Bergman's. My name is Brett Boehm. And I'm seated across from my co-host, Jill Silio.
0: Joe, that was the first time you've heard our theme song. What would you think of it? I think it was a complete total waste of time and money. And I think you could use your labor time to more suitable purposes at the company.
1: Okay. Uh, I think it, I mean, the goal of it was to lay out the premise of the podcast. Yeah. Do you think it effectively did that at least?
0: No, I, I, I host the podcast and I'm a bit more confused than I was before we sang the theme song. Okay. Um, Well, I can uh, certainly tweak it for next time. Uh, I don't know. Any specific notes, anything I should work on? Well, you know, next time just get a goddamn fucking karaoke track. I could actually hear the song. The stone pony is song under you singing over it you didn't even rip the the track I think it was shoddy work and what's really sad is all week you've been telling me how excited you are and all week you've been telling me how hard you've been working on it uh driving around in your car just singing yep. over the stone yep. pony song tra- tra- changing different that was at uh, least the, lyrics the you know
1: 10th 15th version of it um well, I mean, look, this is this is an issue we might run into on this show. Uh, Joe and I uh, are, are co-founders of, of the Forever Dog Podcast Network, uh, but Joe doesn't really get he doesn't get in the weeds with the engineering and the post production and whatnot. Uh, I was going to replace it in post production with a karaoke track. Uh, I need to hear the voice. I don't have a good uh, I don't have a good ear, so I need to hear Linda Ronstadt singing it in order to stay on on key. And I was going to go replace it with a karaoke track. I assume that would have been self-evident. Uh, but now I guess I just have to keep in the fucking track with the vocals on it. And it is going to sound, uh, uh, you know, not great. But, uh, well, why don't we – this is a podcast with a premise. We should start there. You can't call us a podcast without a premise. We have no, a very cannot. specific premise. That's right. And if you think that I, f- I didn't do a good job of it in the theme song, well, why don't you, do, you take a swing at it? What's the what's
0: the damn premise of this podcast? What are we doing here? Well, I mean, we are watching two films a week. One I said that in the theme is an art house classic, just, and one is a popcorn classic. You're reciting the theme song. Please keep going. And then we decide, we talk it out, and we decide together which of these movies is going into the canon. Yep. But here is the caveat yep. here's the important differentiator. It's not just some fake choice. We can never watch the other film ever again as long as we live. It's it. This is our last time. So we're going to leave this room today. We're going to leave this podcast today. And forevermore, we will never again see for the rest of our lives, Bergman's The Seventh Seal or the comedy classic weekend at Bergman's. Bernie's. Uh, thank you. Uh,
1: so, I mean, and we're fine with that? Are we comfortable with that? I mean, no one's making us Not, do that. Um, we, we It was a self-imposed here, 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 Here's what it
0: is. Okay. Life's too short to go back. In 30 years, I can't be like – you know what? Did I love that? Did I not like that? I think yeah. I like that movie. There's so many movies. There's so much content. There's so many things. And we have to get serious about what what's in, what's out. And I'm actually really happy we're doing this, Brett. And I'm really yeah, happy you invited me point. on this podcast. And here's why. I watched a lot of movies in my life, but, I, but I'm a different man. We all came out of this pandemic. We're different people, right, mm-hmm. folks? Yeah. And you think to yourself, You're well, to well I used to love that movie. But now it's like I used to like. Is, do I still like that movie. Is it good? Is it bad? That's how I feel about every single thing I watched until November 2021, and I'm excited for a fresh slate with a with a trusted friend. Yeah, hey, I'm, hey yeah, yeah. The, the things that I said about the theme song, I, I, you know, I stand by. Okay. Okay, so I thought you were about to retract. No, it. no, no, no. no. Okay. I stand by that. But you're my trusted friend, and I'm very excited to go on this journey with you. I do trust your taste. I trust your taste in movies. I know you are uh, to be. I know you to be a smart, cultured gentleman who I like and trust. Like and trust. <laughs> <laughs> who I like and trust. Okay. <laughs> <Is> this... <laughs> Uh, I like you very much and I feel like the week together we're going to get to the bottom of what's good what's bad also one more thing I'm very excited to dispel of this fiction that there's good movies and they're the ones that are on the Criterion Collection and then there's bad movies and those are the ones that you just you watch on Hulu high at you know 11 p.m. on Tuesday no no, folks mm -hmm. there's just movies okay Now, I like how we broke it out. I'm excited that we broke it out that way. But there's just movies and there's just experiences. There's context. There's life choices. And I'm excited to put these two things against each other and really see and really find which of these movies goes in the canon and which of these movies goes in the trash canon. Sorry about the theme song thing. I do not take it back.
1: That's okay. I'll work on it for next week. I'll refine it a little bit. Uh, What you say is true. We are wading into a conversation that is really hot right now. This is a hot conversation right now. Uh, High high culture versus low culture. Art house films versus popcorn films. And it's a a conversation that has hit a a fever pitch in recent years because of the mega – hegemonic success of the big popcorn franchises, your Star Wars, your Marvels, your DCs, your Fast and the Furious, the, the underdog of that group, God bless. Uh, and of course, you know, Hollywood loves a safe bet. They love franchisable IP. So the popcorn franchises get all the money, all the marketing, uh, which then in turn, you know, has led auteurs like Martin Scorsese to, to famously complain that the Marvel movies aren't really movies because, you know, at least not, the, they're, not they're not cinema in the way that he understands it. Uh, because there's no, uh, in his words, risk involved in them. There's no ingenuity, no artistry, none of that old uh, uh, Samuel Fuller spirit uh, to them. Uh, Samuel Fuller, of course, the uh, beloved lunatic uh, American director who would uh, signal action by firing a uh, a Luger pistol into the air at the beginning of every take.
2: Well, a film is uh, like a battleground. C'est comme une bataille Love. L'amour. Hate. La haine. Action. L'action. Violence. La violence. Death. Et la mort. In one word, emotions.
1: Uh, That's Sam Fuller right there, playing himself in the 1965 Godard film, Le LeFou, Pierre Goes Crazy. Uh, Fuller describing his philosophy of cinema as a battleground. And... On the surface, that sounds a lot like a comic book movie, action, violence, so forth. Um, but I think the big distinction for for Scorsese, for Fuller, uh, is again that sense of of risk, of of artistry. Because Scorsese's m- movies, I mean, just like Marvel movies, they are trying to provoke an emotional response in the audience. They, of course, share that in in common uh but Scorsese's arguing that the the emotional responses provoked by his movies and, and the movies he loves are uh, ultimately more authentic, more nuanced because they don't rely on the formulaic structures of of commercial filmmaking. Uh, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum from that, you have people like uh, most recently uh, Trevor Noah, host of The Daily Show, who uh, around the time of uh, this year's Oscars defended the defended the big franchises. Uh, and delivered a, a, a scathing critique of quote unquote serious movies. Let's, uh, let's listen to that clip.
2: Whenever the Oscars have the nominations announcements, I always feel like that's when it's like movie homework time for me. Because it's never the movies I've watched. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the nominations are always like, and the nominations are man in an old place, woman doing a thing a long time ago, black person suffering. And then it's, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I, I haven't watched any, I should, I should. And then we all walk around, and we're like, have you seen it? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to. Of course I'm going to. because like the Oscars, it's never like shit that I've seen. They're never like, and the nominees are Transformers. Seen it. Fast and Furious, seen it. Matrix, unfortunately seen it. Do you know what I mean? It's never, like the Oscars always feel like, like they do it on purpose. It's almost like they go to the box office and they're like, What are the people watching? Then they're like, these ones. What are they not watching? All right, these are the ones. Okay, I think
0: we're good. I think we get that clip. Thank you. It's like a disconnect, you you know? And I'm not saying the movie's... Now what's crazy is that was pre-pandemic full Trevor Nova audience, right? Yes, yeah, that yeah, that, yeah. that was a packed house. Was- <laughs> that was a packed studio. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Oh uh,
1: yeah. no, no. Um, bless those poor PA's who had to had to laugh at those at those uh, jokes. Yeah, but rough, uh, rough. but that is that's the way that the the conversation is usually framed, not just mm-hmm. by him, but by a lot of people yeah. online. Is that is that uh, art house movies, uh, serious movies are. Uh, They're boring and they're pretentious and they take forever to get through and you fall asleep halfway through. And then meanwhile, popcorn movies are exciting and they're big and they're flashy and this and that. But they're also kind of dumb and they don't really have any substance and they they don't last and they're disposable. I think, like you said, we are here to wade into that conversation and um, uh, kind of dispel some of those myths that maybe – you know? and, the, and the myth
0: of the Oscars, as if there's a body of people that can decide the arbiters of what's good and what's bad. Um, none of that. None of that matters. Uh, the, 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 the The box office returns don't matter. The critical acclaim doesn't matter. Nothing matters to us on this podcast other than the two films we watch. And we'll talk about maybe some other things <laughs> and turn to how our viewing of the film went. But uh, – I'm just very excited to dispel of all this, like all these like structures and systems for get them out of here, get them out of here and just me and you together in a room watching a lot of movies and pitting them against each other and saying you can't you can only pick one to watch again ever for the rest of your life. I feel like we're going to get some actual decisions more than best picture could ever tell you. Well, this podcast. No, we're right going to be we're going to be completely honest.
1: We are not trying to seem any no. certain way. We're not trying to seem I'm too uh, pretentious and we're, and we're t- also not trying no. to seem anti-pretentious. No. We are we are trying to be completely honest with what we are seeing on the screen yeah. for the two
0: movies each week. We love movies. Yes. We love art, we love culture, we love being tired and relaxing. We love th- Interesting conversations. We like depth. We like camp. We we like yeah, every. Yeah. We like movies. If it's good, we like it. We, yeah, if, it doesn't matter if yeah. it
1: comes from the art house or from the megaplex. You give a shit. If it's good, we like it. That's it. And look, and sometimes and look. Sometimes it, it, the, the the stereotype is correct. Art house movies are brilliant and they're full of substance and they're beautiful works of art. And popcorn movies are dumb as shit and, and there's no reason why they should have been made and they're insulting to their audience. Other times, it's the opposite. The art exactly. house movies are overrated and they're kind of crappy and they're kind of uh, you know sound and fury signifying nothing. And then you'll find a popcorn movie every now and again that has a secret, you know, substance to it that has depth, that says something, you know, that you weren't expecting it to say. So we are open to all possibilities. We're going to be completely honest. I cannot stress that enough. You can trust us. The canon that we develop on this show and the trash canon will be definitive because we are being honest with you. We're telling the
0: truth. We're telling you the truth. I have nothing to gain. We're not going to lie. We have nothing to gain. Look at us. (laughs)
1: Today's movies, as I said up top, are *The Seven Seal* and *Weekend of Bernie's*. Uh, we felt like this was a good duo to start with. I mean, it gave the podcast its title, *Weekend of right. Bergman's*. This, to me, seems like the the, um, the the ideal pairing of a art house movie uh, and a popcorn movie. Uh, and each week we should add. We're gonna we're gonna try to pair these movies around some sort of theme, uh, and this week's theme is of course death. The seventh seal and Weekend of Bernie's are both movies about death. They are permeated by the by the literal presence of death, uh, but that's pretty much where the comparisons end. And before we get into that discussion, won't you please allow me a, a, a brief pathetic plea to follow us online? Won't you please follow us online? Just follow us online. We're at Weekend Bergman. That's at Weekend Bergman on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be doing a bunch of fun stuff on there. Interactive things, soliciting ideas for episodes from all of you. It's worth a follow. Won't you please follow us online? Uh, And make sure to subscribe to Forever Dog Plus for video episodes of this podcast. That's foreverdog.plus. Sign up there, you get video episodes of Weekend and Bergman's, you get ad-free episodes, you get video episodes of uh, Double Threat, the podcast I produce with Tom Sharpling and Julie Klasner. You get lots of bonus content, ad-free versions of every Forever Dog podcast. It's Mm -hmm. only $5 a month. Are you kidding me? It's almost foolish that we put it at $5 a month. I mean, considering how much work we put into the content. Who's in charge here? Uh, I don't know. But look, our mistake is your gain. $5 a month, Forever Dog Plus, Forever Dog dot plus to sign up. We'll see you there. Uh, Let's kick it off with the seventh seal. We'll start with the art house. Uh, the Seven Seal was released in 1957. It was written and directed by Ingmar Bergman. It stars a uh, murderer's row of Swedish thespians. We've got Max von Sydow, Ben Ekerot, Bibi Anderson, Niels papa all your favorites. Uh, it was shot in 30 days on a budget of $150,000 and is widely considered one of the greatest films of all time. We'll see about that. <laughs> Joe? Yes. Sum- summarize The Seven Seal in 60 seconds or less for me. Let me get my clock here. Hold on. Hold on. So give you time to think. This is like one of those fake timeouts in sports. It's not a real timeout, but they're like trying to get the clock right, and then you got a chance to huddle with your coach. It's cheating. Okay, um, timer, one minute. You ready? Mm-hmm. You're gonna summarize the mm-hmm.
0: seventh seal, mm-hmm. and here we go. The seventh seal is about a, a, a knight and his squire return from the Crusades, and they are confronted as all people in medieval. Sweden England who knows are confronted with the plague and death permeates every corner and it's on everyone's mind and believe me they talk about it Everyone's sad and affected, except, of course, for theater people. Theater. This movie's about theater kids who ignore plague and death and war and just continue to fuck each seconds. other. And they just continue to sleep around and make silly plays and sing songs about chickens and dance and make fools of themselves and just have sex and eat strawberries and milk and try to fuck different people that walk past them and such. Interspersed in that sort of – and just like that's sort of the theme that's hammered out the whole time. Sort of interlaced with just long, sort of, you know, poetic ruminations on death, religion, um, and love. And that's your time. Literally did not mention uh, chess, uh, playing chess with death. Yeah, because I'm not a basic bitch. Okay.
1: Uh, The film opens uh, with uh, the knight coming back from the crusade. Um, And what's his name? He says it halfway through the movie Uh, Antonio Block. And. Antonius Block. Antonius Block. Uh, The knight comes back from the Crusades, um, finds himself, uh, death visits him on the beach, which means your time is up. Um, And, uh, I mean, we're about, you said earlier, this is a good time to start weeding out movies because we're getting to the sort of halfway point of our lives. Uh, You probably... More of like two thirds point, um, getting there. So time will tell. Uh, uh, so uh, the knight uh, sees death. Uh, death is coming for him. It's time to go. You're going to die. But then he he stops death in his tracks by challenging him to a chess match, uh, and they play sort of chess intermittently throughout the movie. And this buys him time to sort of reckon with God and religion and his soul and all of that. Um, so Joe, you kind of gave away some of your cards in your in your synopsis there. But why don't you start us off by telling us? Um, well, what's something that you liked about the Seven Seal? What's in your pro column? What is what is
0: what was good about this movie? A to you? lot to like. This movie is uh, good. This movie is good. Is it the world's most exciting movie? No, but it's one of those movies you're watching and in your head you're like, I understand that this is good. Mm-hmm. Is it? You know, it's older and overwrought. But you asked me what the good things are, so I'll get right down to them. Let's start with good. Let's start with this. It's a movie about plays. I love a movie about plays noise is off hamlet 2 the goings-ons of of the behind the scenes worlds the waiting for guffman some might say i love those kinds of movies and this is about putting on a play Right at the end, you know, this is like doing Mm, Henry V in the bunker as the gosh darn blitz is soaring overhead In, 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 in defiance of death. Theater kids continue to inappropriately have sex with each other and put on shitty, mediocre plays to angry audiences who fear death and crave violence. So I love that. Well, and speaking of that, the, the
1: origin of The Seventh Seal is truly a horror story. Uh, Ingmar Bergman was was teaching in a theater school, uh, and he was trying to come up with a play mm-hmm. that had a lot of monologues, a play that was sort of where every uh, a student in his class could have their own moment, could have a monologue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of just finding one, of which there are many examples, he wrote his own
0: play and then went to his students and was like, here you go, you have to, you have to do my play. Do you know one time in high school, I was in a play called Errors. It was like The comedy of errors, but like with like a different, with a a, a modern, it was like a modern twist on it. And we went through the whole rehearsal process with the director telling us he found it online. And then right before we went on stage for the first performance, he goes, I have a surprise that, and we have been just shitting on this script for three months. And right before we go on, he goes, I wrote the play. So it's kind of like that. Oh my god! (laughs) Did he say it as like, as a triumph? uh, Oh, okay. He wasn't like, I see you. Hey, You know, you know, in, 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 egg on, I, heard I you. egg on my face. I did take home a Cappy Award for my performance. Wow. In it. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Where's that Cappy Award now? I think I uh, like threw it at uh, my friend Jack Rosenberg and it's in a lake or something.
2: Mm.
1: So Ingmar Bergman uh, wrote this as a play. It was called uh, a, a paint. Like I think it translates as a painting on a piece of wood was the translation of the original uh, play. Uh, and then he turned that into a, the seventh seal. Um, so when you say that this is about theater, I mean we have a theater troupe in the movie, right? Um, no, for uh, sure. You three did. of the the main characters, uh, two of them are married. Uh, one is is sort of a lusty fellow he's always looking to get his his mm-hmm. old his old dick wet there's always one um and uh so so there is a pl- sort of theater troupe within the, within the movie but do you mean beyond that this movie is is kind of a celebration of of theater i mean it 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 watches like a play it what it the speeches,
0: monologues, a lot of like looking out as if they're standing on the stage just like 100% facing out, like yeah. a lot of looking out, a lot of monologues, a lot of a uh, a lot of that. I mean, I hear you. I know I, I remember the parts about chess and the night and death, but I swear to god when I was watching this movie, that was all sort of like happening sort of around all of the frivolity Interesting. and uh, sexual escapades of the theater troupe and their myriad uh plays like the chicken song at yeah. all. Mhm.
1: Uh, let's go ahead and watch that clip because that is one of my favorite scenes. Um, and Sebastian, this is at, um, let's go to like 3650 in the 7th seal, about 3650. Because um, I particularly like uh, the, the theater troupe is in the middle of doing one of their performances and it's very medieval. It's like a lot of songs. Yeah, go a little bit before this, about maybe about 10 seconds back when we see the, the theater troupe.
0: No, yeah, the juxtaposition is essential. This is—it's—it's so funny, and it reminds me of, of theater. Yeah, and let's sorry, let's actually go like ten seconds.
1: Yeah, here we go, here we go. That's perfect, perfect. Oh, this old, this old.
0: This movie's about death and chess. I they play chess like two times. I mean, this movie is about theater kids.
1: So what we see here is they're, they're putting on a play for the town. The town hates it. They're getting heckled. They're getting stuff thrown at them. I mean, look, it's the middle ages they haven't invented, you know, the, the concept of the artist yet. I mean, everything is very sort of communal and ritualistic. And it's like, you know, did you read the the Canterbury tales? I'm sure that comes from an oral tradition. It's happening synonymous with this though. I mean, I mean, you can't expect everybody to be Chaucer all the time.
0: Fair, Fair and fine. I mean, I'm so sorry. Like we can watch the clip, but then you saw the chicken song, right? Are you telling me that was good?
1: I think it was fun. I think it was loose. I think it was, uh, fanciful. I think, I mean, everyone's dying. Death is permeating mm-hmm.
0: everything. Uh, the, I, I think they were their the audience didn't, didn't p- like it. They were throwing stuff at them.
1: Yeah, but I think they would have hated anything. I mean, I think this this is a they're culture all, who is
0: just... I mean, look at this culture. I mean, this clip, the scene study is going to show that the culture is really going through it, and I understand yes, that. Yeah. That's why I said I love... But yes, what I love. I love in the defiance of... Look at the culture. We're, we're going to watch the clip. Yes. Despite all that, they're still doing Chicken Song. They're still doing their little plays, and I think that that's beautiful.
1: Okay, so here we go. Back to the clip. Uh, the theater uh, troupe is doing their little play, and then in the middle of that, we are going to see this, this uh, entire train of religious uh, flagellants and monks. Uh, There's smoke. People are whipping themselves. There's crosses. There's a guy holding up a skull. It's quite a clash of cultures here. Um, And uh, Joe, we should read the subtitles for our listeners at home. So uh, we'll, we'll do that as this clip goes along.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> are they singing a song they're doing <laughs>
1: night is blighted and darkness glows the black one remains remains remains
0: remains, remains on the beach important they're fucking well their husband and wife maybe so tbd wasn't clarified Here come uh, monks. Uh, here comes the fucking buzz kills.
1: Here they come. We got a cross. We got uh, sensors with smoke coming out of them.
0: I mean, the thing is, this is a.
1: I will say, this is a much better performance than what we were seeing from the theater so, troupe. So
0: so much better. I mean, talk about a performance that is really like defined like you're saying you know Chaucer was one of one back then Yeah. but think of what the religious people were doing like from a theatrical perspective look at this they're putting on a whole beautiful effing show this This is incredible look at how incredible this is
1: one guy's beating another guy I think he's lost the plot a little bit they're so upset oh and look at the
0: the crowd who hated the play is enthralled by this Yeah, they love, exactly. The crowd hated the chicken song. They love the death song. Look at these guys. Because it's scaring the shit out of them, that's why. Can you imagine going, like, people do this today? Like, we've been through so much and people decide to self flagellate. It's ridiculous. A woman crying, falling to her knees. How's the plague transmitted? No one was afraid of that woman that had the plague. I guess they have, like, literally no idea because there's no science. They don't know. Right, they don't know. Remember, they think the devil, like, transmits it. Children watching. It's just, it was, it's so funny watching this movie and watching the chicken song and watching them, everybody hate it. And them doing it with like full face paint with bangs in the draw, And then these guys just walk in with such a better show. It's so dramatic. Everybody loves it. <laughs> I mean, I Carumba. Oh, uh, now this fucking guy. All right. Now a guy stands this up. Fucking Jonathan Edwards of, uh, of Sweden. His performance is fantastic. Oh, really good, oh, really, really good, really good. Really
1: good. Really good. Yeah. It's, it's Cotton Mather. Uh, he's saying that you're all going to die because of the Black Death. He's telling them. You stand there like open-mouthed cattle. And you sit there in bloated self-satisfaction.
0: Do you know that this could be your final hour? The, like the play is like the actors are still standing on stage. Death stands behind you. This guy just walked into their theater and just did his show instead. I can see the
1: crown of his head gleam in the sun. His scythe flashes when he raises it behind your
0: heads. Who among you will he strike first? Great, Sebastian. We can stop there. Powerful stuff, but it is also very funny. I thought the movie was funny. I mean, like like on purpose, like not like I'm being a dick. Like I thought there were some like funny. No, there's some legitimately that, funny there, there, there,
1: moments. There um, there's some slapstick. I mean, it's not like
0: that juxtaposition, like Bergman didn't like comprehend how like funny that juxtaposition is. It,
1: it's funny. Yes. No. Yeah. And, and there's it's funny and it's terrifying. And that gets to my one of my pros. One of the things I liked about this movie was I think it's very good on on mood and specifically the mood of a culture that is that is full of that is stuffed to the brim with religion and fear and panic and death and everybody hates each other. And the only thing that gets through to anybody is, is being told you're going to die and being told that, um, that death is standing behind you. Like that's the only thing that matters to anybody. Um, and everybody wants to kill each other and pummel each other and humiliate each other, um, because they're all dying and they're all miserable and they're all afraid of, um, of going to hell. So uh, I th- I think that it's, <laughs> yeah it it does nail that mood.
0: It's also funny. It is funny, <laughs> but i I found it to be pretty funny. Like the Squire's funny. You know, like like the all the supporting characters in the Knight's crew, I yeah. found to be like wonderful, different versions of um like humanity but a lot of the lighter sides of humanity. Yeah. And I really appreciated those moments. And I found that Death himself, despite everything you're saying, he's really funny too. Death is hilarious. Yeah, I, and I, that, I... that was
1: like one of the origins of the character. So so Death is played by a guy named Bent Echerot mm-hmm. uh, and uh Ekarat was a was a theater director. Uh, uh, there's nothing more obvious than this movie's about theater. He directed the uh, the first run of Long Day's Journey Into Night, classic cool. play, right? Very um, cool. And so he knew Bergman from the Swedish theater scene, and they kind of collaborated on this character together. That's awesome. Part of the idea was uh, to, to to have it be sort of half clown, half skull. So that's the 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 the, the white face paint. It's a simple simple rendition of death. Um, but the the clown aspect, I think, is because they knew that they wanted death to be to have a sort of sense of humor, um, which he does. yes, um, simply by I mean, because his motivation, everybody else is 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 in the middle of some deep spiritual crisis. Even the squire who doesn't really want to admit that there is religion or life after, that he's still in the middle of a kind of moral and spiritual crisis oh, throughout. Uh, everybody is is just going through it. Death's only motivation, I mean, death just knows, death has no worries. Death has nothing to, uh, you know, sort of stress about. No. He literally is just playing chess the whole time. Yeah. Like his only thought, he knows he's going to win. Yeah. He knows the knight's going to die. Mm. So his only thought is like, oh, I get to play chess for you know, a couple days, Mm -hmm. right? I get to play this extended chess game with a guy who's talking a lot of shit in the beginning of the movie, right? The knight says, I'm gonna, you can't beat me, Mm -hmm. right? So this is very exciting for death. This Mm -hmm. is probably the best, this is probably the most fun death's had in a long time Mm is he's just playing chess. Um, And in the midst of that... um, he does have a sense of humor. There's the scene where let's watch the scene where he uh, tricks the knight into into t- revealing one of his moves. Uh, this is uh, the, the, around 19 minutes. In the I, I doubt we're going
0: to watch all of it. No, but, but folks, this this scene is like eight minutes long, and Tionius Block is talking to very obviously death, and not until the very end. Well, I don't want to give away the I don't want to give away the clip. the let's The see. knight
1: thinks that he is confessing. He's in a church, and he thinks that he is confessing to a priest. Uh, and he is pouring out his soul. He is talking about all the torment he's going through. Life is meaningless. Death is everywhere. I wish God would reveal himself so I could have faith. Yeah, all of so these things. so much. Right? It's just like Christ. Man. And meanwhile, death is just biding his time because all he cares about is this chess game and he wants to know what the night's next move is going to be. Let's play that clip, Sebastian. Uh, and Joe, why don't you be uh, uh, the
0: knight and I'll be death. Wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I want knowledge, not faith, not assumptions, but knowledge. I want God to stretch out his hand, uncover his face, and speak to me. But he remains silent. I call out to him in the darkness. We must make an idol of others. This guy just goes on and on and on. It's unbelievable. And that idol we shall call, relax. You are worried. Death is so funny. Death came to me this morning. We played chess together. He's go. looking at death. Here we go, here death. we go, here we go. The respite allows me to attend to some business. What business? All my life I've been searching, wondering, talking without meaning or yeah, no contact. I can hear you. It's been nothing. Yes, I say so without bitterness or self-reproach. As I know that almost all of people's lives are made this way, this motherfucker just talks and talks. But I want to use my respite for one meaningful act. Uh-huh.
1: That's why you are playing chess with death.
0: He's a difficult and skillful tactician, but so far I have not surrendered to peace. How can you outwit death in your game? I'm playing a combination of bishop and knight. That he hasn't noticed yet. I'll expose his flank. He's just talking to a random guy. I'll expose his flank in the next move. And then the reveal. I'll remember that. And then he's like, you tricked me. Sebastian, so I'm I'm supposed to feel bad for this guy? Death, I mean, that
1: was a long con and death Death nailed him to the fucking floor. One, that was insane.
0: <laughs> One thing I love about Death is that he's like, he's really playing it so, so chill that Max Vincito can, in theory, see half of his profile right. essentially. Right. Pr- you know, it's pretty, pretty, pretty strong. Now, that guy is going through some anguish. He has some serious according PTSD from mean, the I mean, according Crusades. to him, well, that's true. Yeah. That's no, true. no. The Crusades yeah. were like a whole thing for him and he really believed in it and everything. And I bet they had like, you know, he had like a thing where he came back and he was like, was that all for not? Like, was I doing the right thing? I, right, I killed right. a little kid. Oh, fuck. What did I do? What did I do? And now he's back and he's really just like, and anybody, I guess, who has an open ear hear it. Um, do, you, do you find, what do you what do you tell me? Mm-hmm. We just heard that guy go on and on. Mm-hmm. And it's well acted. It's very theater for sure. It's yes. like a play, like you said. Do, did you like that scene? For real? Did you like that scene? I think what makes it is it's
1: never it's never the monologue itself. I think what I do like about this movie is you are always given one or two other things to pay attention to, a couple other layers. Mm-hmm. I think Bergman is certainly in love with himself as a writer. I think he thinks very highly of himself. Yes. Um, uh, and, the, and the speeches he's able to come up with for his actors. Uh, but I love the presence of death there, knowing that death just wants to trick him into revealing what his chess strategy is. And there's something that really grounds (laughs) that um, and makes the knight's spiritual quest kind of pathetic, Mm. uh, that he's just simultaneously being played uh, like a pawn in a chess game. Um, And so I think... I think it's the combination of elements when, when scenes work in this movie, for me, there is a combination of elements. It's never just, I'm not wowed by the soliloquies. I think a lot of it is sort of regurgitated philosophy. Um, That's fine. But but you're
0: making a great point because it's not, but this isn't a book. This is a film, right? And because of some of the fantastical or spiritual elements that Bergman can fit into these scenes, it does elevate them far beyond just like the the rhetoric. In that scene, I found it very like funny and interesting and beautiful. How for a majority of the scene, he's talking to that like hor- horrific a uh, uh, sculpture uh, of the crucifixion, yes, yeah, and yeah. as if that's like not as if you know that's God, and just like he looks like very scary and and you know like as as scary crucifixion as possible i love when joff sees the virgin mary and the baby like walking along and he has these like visions and how the the ocean and death like come in and at the end when they're all dancing on top of the all of these like beautiful um uh reference points that so seamlessly and not annoyingly at all not grading at all kind of filter throughout uh the film these religious like in, in, insignia come in I find it to be very, like, beautiful and grounding ways. And if everybody's lamenting a little extra, like, in some of these scenes, and it's a little, like, oh, boy, Bergman's writing about life, death, and love. Here we go. Mm -hmm. I find that, like, he has so much other wonderful things working for him that none of that ever bothers me. And because it has this sort of, like, light, this, like, comedic self-awareness like death really does pull a good fast one at the end of that scene there. Yeah. He, for He's allowed to go deep on these topics and really explore and explore and explore because I think that he there's there is despite all of our talkings today. There's a great self-awareness. There's a great comedic through line. There's a great like you can't beat death sort of hands up in the air by the end of it. And I find that even though it's all about pain and sadness and darkness, I found that's why I guess I really enjoyed the levity of it. Even when the, the witch is like burning at the end, their whole interaction and conversation is like really sad, but you know, it has that whole like, you know, but life is but a dream sort of Mm -hmm. vibes and, Mm -hmm. and, and and wry smile. And that's, that is the other thing I liked about this movie is that, uh, you know, there, it's it's, he, it's yeah. a, a well crafted movie. It, is. It's just like it's just like a very like well made, well thought out movie. And and how long was this movie? Oh, short. Sure. It's an hour the, and a half. It's about ninety and minutes. And that is what I've been trying to say this whole time. Yeah, this what this movie has going for. It is, it is ninety minutes long. And I think it one covers of, a lot of ground. Ten times more than any three yes. hour movie I've seen in the past. You know, thirty yeah. years that they yeah. make these three hour ridiculous long movies. This is mm-hmm. going to be a theme. One weekend at Bergman's. You're gonna hear this from me many, many times. Folks, if Bergman can make the seventh seal in 90 minutes, I'm sure, I'm positive we can tighten up the Batman. That's your ceiling. I'm That's positive your ceiling. we can tighten up the Batman. I'm positive. I'm positive. You're going to hear that a lot on this show.
1: Let's watch one final scene uh, that I think, is, I think exemplifies this. It's a scene that doesn't really have any big monologues in it. But I think it is. It is cin- cinematically, it's tremendous. It's a terrifying scene. I think one of the, considering it's a, it's a movie where witches burn and people are flagellating themselves and the plague is ravaging, it's this one scene of like kind of ritual humiliation of one of the actors that is really terrifying to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love this. You know, <laughs> it's terrifying
0: to you? This is when the actor gets the shit kicked out of him? Uh, they make him do like the dancing. Yeah, this is so funny. I love All right, this part. Joe thinks
1: this is hilarious. I think it's terrifying. So let's go to uh, 4452, Sebastian. 4452. There it is. Perfect. Uh, so uh, one of the other actors has run off with uh, one of the townspeople's uh, wives, uh, but now they're going to mistakenly blame it on this actor um, and, and sort of humiliate him yeah, in a bar, threaten brutal. him with violence. Yeah. I think they also know that he's not, I think they don't care who it was. They just, they hate these actors. I know that's really... why it's so funny. Here we go. Let's listen. Let's watch this clip. You're also an
0: actor, and it's your crony that snuck off with his wife. Okay, so they know, they
1: know. Are you an actor as well, asks the the guy that was cuckolded. Me, an actor? The actor says, not really.
0: Then we should kill you. It's logical. He thinks he's joking. He's like, what are you talking about? You're funny. Don't you think so?
1: Now the guy brings out a knife.
0: Maybe we should mark you as one as one does with petty villains. The actor's getting what nervous. What have you done with my wife? Oh, he's, the knife slams on the table. The actor knows. uh Oh, am in big trouble. Yes. All everybody goes silent in the bar. They're all staring yeah, at him, and it's very scary. And these wonderful like inserts of like the, the old scary town people, scary bar, faces chewing a sandwich. To the actor you
1: know? is alone. Do you want to hurt Bye me? Why? Have I annoyed anyone or been LOL. in the way? Of course. I'll leave and never come Perfect. back. Perfect. Stand up so everyone can hear you. Speak louder. Use your diaphragm. They're mocking him. Stand on your head so we can see whether you're a good
0: actor. Now no, this, no, no, this, this is this is a little over the top, even for an actor. <laughs> Oh, he did a little trick. Oh, no, he just fell. Okay, he's gonna. Uh-oh.
1: Now they're tossing him around. What have you done to my wife? This guy kind of lost the plot a little bit. He's just mad. They're saying, get up and dance. Dance for us. Imitate
0: a bear. Yeah, do boar on the floor. This is the boar on the floor. This is the boar on the floor. Do boar on the floor. Everyone's loving it. The actor's finally getting laughs. The actor... Everyone's finally paying attention to the actor. And, uh... What's his punishment? Oh, he just has to do a little dance? All right, I'm sure he can handle that. He's an actor. Oh, he's dancing. He's yeah. imitating a bear. He's got <laughs> claws.
1: Big claws. Oh, it's bad. It's brutal. Uh, the shadows, Look though. all the audience coming is. up.
0: The truly terrifying scene. The audience is loving it. And they let the table on fire. Bore on the floor.
1: And this, is, this is what I was talking about. A culture that has just been ravaged by the plague and death and Doesn't religious fear. Doesn't this remind fear. you of us?
0: And all do, they want is, don't all, you
1: want to yell at an actor and then the squire comes in and saves him. All right, Sebastian, you can stop it there.
0: Well, you thought that was, uh, you thought that was funny. Well, you know, what's so funny is like, hmm. you know, the parallels, right? Like, you know, I, I'm not saying this in a positive sense, but you know, the parallels between our, 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 you know journeys in afghanistan and iraq as a sort of crusade right okay right in the yep. you know some you know in the in the horrible way but you know like the crusade and okay. like the plague like we just went through the pandemic and okay. such so there's those parallels and who does everybody left right dead center just want to freaking throw a rock at and laugh at and make dance and then fucking get out of our bar actors I, so i think there's a lot of really tremendous parallels and i think bergman was ahead of his time
1: What did you not like about this movie? We've certainly hinted at it along the way, but what's something you did not like about this movie? Uh, It's
0: in black and white. Okay. Oh, and then my second thing I wrote was, it doesn't zip along. But I mean, you were just saying you like those ninety minutes, but it's a long ninety minutes. I've watched the tighter ninety. Yeah, it, like so. I, I appreciate the ninety, but I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like because it sort of has these little chapters, it just as a structural like piece of like narrative, it doesn't necessarily zip along. And I'm putting that in the bad thing because sometimes I love that. But just if I'm being totally honest with this movie you know i checked my phone three times i yeah. wanted to, i wanted to zip along if i'm just being totally honest there are movies that are we like we said we would be honest uh, said, No, i'm just being honest like there are movies where like i'm happy to like go through the 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 real journey and like think about it and this one honestly it just the, the philosophy wasn't compelling enough or like it just wasn't for me enough to kind of like latch me in and i checked my phone a couple times and it didn't zip along. There's other movies that are old and black and white and 90 minutes that completely and totally zip along. You can't even fucking take your eyes off of it. So the the black and white is not that's not a blanket because that that would be a problem because a lot of the art house movies we're going to watch are probably going to be in black and white. No, it's not. I've watched lots of good black and white movies, and I just feel like honestly, if I'm being completely and totally honest with you, yes, and, which is what we and said, and based we do. on that, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a cinematographer, and I have no like whatever. Someone could tell me I'm wrong, but I've watched a lot of black and white movies, and there are there was a couple shots. That's the thing. I kind of wish – I wish that there was like – there was a couple shots that I found very beautiful. But there are so many other – I think because Bergman's a theater guy. He's sitting in his Swedish theater all day and night. I know he's a filmmaker and he makes movies about plays and I love him for that. But there are other uh, directors and cinematographers doing more uh, tremendous things in black and white. I know it's a crazy thing to say. There are some stunning shots in – uh, this movie, but I just would be lying if I said I sat there in awe of every fucking frame. And, you know, eh, you know I don't, I'm not, I'll watch a black and white, mo- oh, some of my favorite movies ever are black and white movies. I'm not, I'm not a fucking, you know, uh, crazy person. But look, you ever watch Sunset Boulevard? That's a movie in black and white, is it not? Yes. Black, Sunset Boulevard, my face is this close to the screen. Sure, I, I cannot sure. Like, every second, every line, just incredible. And everything looks gorgeous and, like, lush. And even in black and white, it's a perfect movie. I love it. Cool. But in this one, eh, just being fucking honest with you, Brett, you know. I don't fucking give a shit about half of this stuff. I loved all the parts when the theater people were making fools of themselves and having sex with each other.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that about the black and white because he, uh, the cinematographer, the DP on this movie, was Gunnar Fischer. Um, and uh, Bergman is more famously uh, known as pairing with uh, Sven Nykvist. You know that guy, Sven Nykvist? Uh, who was the cinematographer on a lot of his later films and then went on to work with sure. uh, Woody Allen. I guess that's kind of what I was kind of waiting for. It was
0: like persona shit. Yeah. So yes, exactly. So I, yeah.
1: And Sven Nykvist started working with him like two years after this. And so yeah. I think uh, maybe Bergman uh, maybe felt the same way that you did that the photography needed a little upgrade.
0: <laughs> That'd be so great. Me and Bergman uh, both thought the cinematography on Seventh Seal was come see come saw. You didn't think that uh, they didn't think that Gunnar Fischer was pulling <laughs> his weight. Uh, it's like the most iconic like shots in film history. Um, so
1: I will say one last con on Seven Seal and then we'll, and then we'll move on to Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, the last con, this is a bit of a this is all outside of the movie and it's a bit of a wormhole but I hope you'll go down it with me. Um, and it has to do with, so in 1936 Bergman saw Hitler speak. He saw Hitler give a speech. He was on an exchange trip uh, uh, in Germany. He was staying with a Nazi family. He saw Hitler speak. Uh, he recalled Hitler as being incredibly charismatic, and Bergman actually remained a Nazi sympathizer until the very en- very end of World War II. Uh, at which point he he would have been 27 years old, well into adulthood. Uh, he said he said he he did not reject the Nazi Party and the Nazi ideology until he found out about the horrors of the concentration camps, which of course were not you know really public knowledge outside of the Third Reich until the camps were infiltrated at the end of the war by the Allies. So. During World War II, Bergman was a Nazi. There's no really, there's no way around it. Uh, and, and despite uh, you know uh, being unaware of the camps, um, he was not unaware of Hitler's anti-Semitism because his father and brother were much more ardent in their support of the Third Reich. His father uh, was a very strict Lutheran minister, so that was probably an easy uh, you know lateral move for him. And then his uh, brother defaced Jewish businesses. Ber- Bergman recounted uh, this later. He said that he did not support his brother doing that, but that he was also, quote, too cowardly to speak out against it. Uh, so you you have an adult in his mid-twenties who by his own later recollection uh, did not support the most brutal and genocidal forms of anti-Semitism. Uh, congratulations. Uh, but did find an allure in... Hitler's quote-unquote charisma, which is just the fucking lubricant of totalitarianism. Uh, so, at best, at best, what I'm saying is that Bergman, in his mid twenties, was attracted to fascism in the abstract. That's at best. Uh, and I w- I would not be surprised if we find this thread in a lot of the art house movies he has the air of someone who, who does not want their authority questioned, who is willing to collaborate only to the extent that the collaboration just becomes another instrument for exercising their will over the project. Uh, Bergman also had a whole, he had this whole tax evasion thing in the seventies that I was reading about. Uh, the, the, the charges ended up being dropped in Sweden, but he was, he was so incensed uh, that the, that I don't know the laws of the land could apply to him that that he uh, that that he could be indicted for something as lowly as tax evasion. He was so incensed that he left Sweden, the country that he's lived and worked in for decades. He leaves Sweden. He shuts down his studio and he vows to never work in Sweden again, uh, which uh, resulted in an estimated 10 million kroner lost in the Swedish economy, as well as more importantly, hundreds, hundreds of jobs. Uh, and he only returned to Sweden uh, a couple years later after being begged by the government and the film community. The Swedish Film Institute uh, literally created something called the Ingmar Bergman Prize, and that finally lured him back. Uh, what a piece of work, Bergman! Uh, and this is all to say that this this fascist impulse, I I I can feel it in the movie via you know the 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 iron fist of the o and, and it makes it's it makes me like the movie less is what i'm saying um there are scenes like the dancing bear scene where i feel less of that where it feels like it is very character based it is very much about actors all pulling their weight it's a scene that feels collaborative there's not these long winded monologues mm. but those scenes are a little few and far between there mm. is a lot of people reciting bergman's mm. words um and you can just see him behind the camera in his little beret, loving every second of it, totally. recalling his time as a young lad uh, watching oh Hitler speak God. in the Weimar. Um, he's a
0: he's a theater and film director in nineteen fifty seven who loves right. the Nazis. So if you're picking up on if you're thinking if you're picking up on some fanatic yeah. elements, you're probably a hundred percent correct. But still, it's a good movie. It's obviously it's one it's a great movie. It's a good movie. It's, it's a, a good, good movie. It's a it's a good movie. Um, you know, for the, you know, it's, 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 it's a good, it's a good movie. It is a, it is a good movie, but I'll tell you what, I checked my phone a bunch.
1: So, Weekend of Bernie's was released in 1989. It was directed by Ted Kotcheff, who has a fascinating, fascinating filmography. What was his like r-
0: relationship to watching Hitler speeches?
1: <laughs> as far as I could tell, he did not. None. He uh, is a Bulgarian Canadian film uh, director. Really? Uh, as far as I know, did not have any uh, any connection to the Third Reich. Um, okay, good. Uh yes I all uh, uh, he was born in Toronto to a fa- family of Bulgarian immigrants could totally um, be Nazis who knows in 1930 no in 1931 so they had already moved so they were already in Canada so yeah there were no Nazis um, anywhere but Germany look if anybody knows Ted Kotcheff's uh, relationship to the Third Reich please let us know <laughs> our DMs our first opening. our first fan request if you guys out there know anything. Was Ted Koch, if a Nazi? Um his filmography is fascinating, though. He uh one of his first films was uh, this movie called Wake and Fright. Have you ever heard of Wake and Fright? It's an no. Australian film. It's one of those movie It's one of those movies that'll that'll play at the New Beverly. It's a it's a Tarantino favorite, uh, a little bit of a grindhouse vibe, a little bit of a of a straw dogs vibe. Uh, it was was a key film in the Australian New Wave of the 1970s, uh, specifically a genre called Ozploitation exploitation which was the australian version of of exploitation films uh it's about a uh, a professor who ends up he gets stranded in this like really wild violent town in the outback and then becomes wild and violent himself that's basically it uh and it's it's, it's notorious uh this is gross notorious for depicting a kangaroo hunt in which real kangaroos were hunted and killed it's true. Uh, this is the guy that directed Weekend at Bernie's. So Wake and Fright, um, he directed uh, the first Rambo movie, First Blood. Uh, he directed the original Fun with Dick and Jane uh, with George Segal um, and Jane Fonda. Um, and he did Weekend at Bernie's. Um, so it's directed by Ted Kotcheff. Um, it's a hell of a career. Hell of a career. Really great career. That's good. Written by Robert Klein uh, The budget was $15 million. It doubled that at the box office. So this was a hit movie. Uh, it stars Andrew McCarthy – um, uh, Jonathan Silverman, Terry Kaiser as Bernie uh, And Catherine Mary Stewart Terry uh, Kaiser As well as several best. other great character the actors uh, Terry Kaiser really killed him He movie, is the best we'll, in this movie guys. So go ahead uh, and summarize Joe Summarize Weekend at Bernie's for me in 60 seconds or less Let me get the clock up I didn't tell you we were going to do this No you gonna, did We're going to do this for every movie uh, Let's go uh, Weekend at Bernie's uh,
0: 60 seconds or less And starting now Two men who are working at like a big business insurance, they find a discrepancy in the the numbers and they run it up the ladder to their boss and they say to him, hey, we found a $2 million discrepancy. So basically we just found you $2 million. And Bernie goes, that's amazing. Let's go out to my beach house. And uh, Bernie's their boss. And Bernie's their boss. And they're like, oh, my God, this is incredible. We did it. We made it. We're going to get big jobs or whatever. Then they go. Out to the beach and what unbeknownst to them though, Bernie's the one who's been stealing the money. So he gets the mob to go kill the two guys. But unbeknownst to Bernie, the mob doesn't like Bernie. He's getting too big for his britches. So they say, take out Bernie. They go, they murder Bernie. At the beach, when the guys arrive, Bernie is dead. They freak out. But guess what? Nobody notices all weekend in order to fall in love with this girl. They just, like, keep it going all weekend long. And they just, like, defame and torture this man's corpse for, like, 48 hours before they get out of it in brilliant, blinding fashion. And it's very funny. And uh, it's very uh, violent. Mm -hmm. Excellent,
1: Uh, excellent summary there. I thought that was very good. Touched on a lot of the main points. Um,
0: Next time I'll prepare. I have no idea. You know
1: what did you? It's better off the top, uh, better off the cuff. (laughs) I I think.
0: think Uh, What did you?
1: um, Uh, Sure. Let's start with the pros here. What what did you like about Weekend of Bernie's?
0: Okay, I liked about this. It's a farce. It's it's first of all, it's a comedy movie. They, They don't make these anymore. It is a movie where the, the thing that you're going to see is a, a joke. The joke is that these guys pretend a corpse is their boss all weekend and nobody notices. It's a big, that's fucking, you know, some like it hot shit. That's a joke. And they play the joke and they the joke ramps up and it crescendos at the end. And they make this body do all the funny things you could possibly do with a dead body. And it reminds me of, it's Moliere, baby. It's Moliere. This is a farce. I mean now I'm sure we can talk about the the terror underlying it but isn't that comedy folks so I think that that's why I love about this movie it is a comedy movie they don't make them anymore I miss them and furthermore it is a true farce this body is flying over handrails mm-hmm. this body is like it's just like the muppets it's getting like everything but fired out of a cannon it's great this body is you know at one point it falls uh Right at the right time, it falls off a banister and lands in like a violent person's, you know, war path and prevents them from doing so. The, there's these characters running in and talking to the corpse and the corpse's head will like nod back and forth and people will take that as a yes. And every time this corpse flies around at one point, it's being dragged by a speedboat. I mean, this corpse gets absolutely it, it, it's, it's really, you know, a shame. I want to take you one step further. I agree with everything you said.
1: I think. With that as the premise, with that as the central joke, a very physical joke, a very visual joke, very funny. I think I was I was, uh, I'm just going to say it. I, I was kind of blown away by Weekend at Bernie's. I okay. think I think it is a American psycho level yes. satire of the 80s Agreed. and of greed and excess and American capitalism and how um, literally everyone is just out for themselves. And it is much like the Seven Seal. It's Death is in the midst, right? Mm-hmm. But in the seventh seal, everyone is is obsessed with death. Everyone is death is 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 haunts their every waking thought. Death is around every corner. Everyone's obsessed. Everyone, it's there, and people know it's there, and they can't think about anything else, right? In Weekend at Bernie's, death is in your midst, and nobody gives a shit. Nobody even knows it's there. Death is staring you in the face at all times. Bernie could not be more dead. He is a fucking corpse. He is out cold, <laughs> lights out, it's very funny. fucking six feet under, yeah. nothing happening in that body, yeah. right? Nobody knows. They talk to him. They interact with him. They fuck him. A woman fucks Bernie, right? Fucks the dead man, okay? Unbelievable Nobody shit. knows. And this is the kicker. Even the two guys who do know he's dead— don't give a shit. They could care they less. Keep
0: thinking they're about to give a
1: shit. They, they, keep, they never. They do keep pretending for, for four minutes. One of them. It's a. It's like uh. Jonathan Silverman is supposed to be the one that's a little more normal that you sympathize with. He's a. He's a fucking psycho. a swimmer type. But he's yeah. He's supposed to be the one that's a little more normal. And the Andrew McCarthy is like out for himself, selfish, et cetera, et cetera. But Jonathan Silverman keeps getting very easily convinced uh, to not care that Bernie's dead and to keep pursuing his own goals, which in his case is to get with the girl, the and, intern. The the intern. He's in high school. Yes. Uh Catherine Mary Stewart. Stewart is the actress. Uh and uh uh Andrew McCarthy just flat out um uh not only doesn't care, like takes glee in in just uh humiliating Bernie's corpse in various ways, right?
0: Literally tying a string to his hand. Um that that, that that's that's the moment when it flips from oh my god to like actually depraved. Yeah. That, and it is funny, and like every time the corpse flies over the handrail, I laugh. But like when he started making the corpse be a puppet, I was like, "Oh, these guys are um si- the sickest motherfuckers." It is a who ever deeply lived. dehumanizing yes. movie. It's the
1: most dehumanizing movie I've ever seen. These are like, the two the, sickest
0: the, fucks who th- ever lived. The
1: care, mm-hmm. the the lack of care, the lack of any concern for what a body, what a dead body means, what it Zilch. like, z- nothing whatsoever. That's right? one of my cons is just disrespectful of the dead. And one of my cons is that they did not. Um, I think to further bring out the the satire, they should have contended more with the realities of death. I would have liked to have seen decomposition. I would like to have seen more. There's one scene where Bernie, there's a little fly floating around his head, and Andrew McCarthy has to like swat it away, and it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Also, that is sick as fuck. Right, this guy funny. literally flies. Are yeah, the movie's right? the, the movie's sick? And I would like to have seen a little bit more of like, ooh, Bernie, uh, you need some deodorant, or
0: like a little bit more like sure, sure. the realities of, of a decomposing body. Yes, um, but he had so much alcohol in him and so much drugs it was like keeping him sort of preserved for a time. That's interesting. Perhaps. So it's like formaldehyde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And we should add that they do kind of cover their bases with the plot, though, because he's murdered with a um, a poison in a syringe. So it's not like he gets shot or there's some noticeable wound or something. Um, and props to Terry Kaiser. Terry Kaiser's performance in this is incredible. It's so funny. Uh, uh, not just as the corpse, which he does play. Apparently it's a stunt so double did the stunts, but he was the corpse for the most of the time. Uh, his performance as a live Bernie. And I will say yes. I had never watched this movie before. Uh, Before this podcast, I didn't realize we got so much of Living Bernie in in the beginning of the movie. I didn't realize I
0: love Living Bernie. He comes in. Can we see this? Um, Let's let's watch all the Living Bernies.
1: Twenty-eight. Uh, uh. Smash. You can go to twenty-eight. This is Bernie arriving in the Hamptons on his speedboat. Justice for bosses. The the first time we see, um, yeah, it's right after this. uh, Yeah, go. You can go and start it here. This is the first time we see Bernie's iconic windbreaker. This is that Jonathan Silverman has failed to get laid because he's a liar and a creep. (laughs) Um, Bernie is living. Now, we know what's going to happen. This guy's going to die. We're watching a a dead man walking. He rules. We know his time is limited. He's flicking his cigar into the Long Island Sound. He's coming up on a boat, which is named Premiums.
0: Everybody knows him. Like everybody loves Bernie. The Hamptons is his Cheers. He is the king of the Hamptons. Watch this—he's about to kiss this woman right here. Every woman in the Hamptons He kiss on the lips. This guy's the man. She's thrilled. Everybody's waving at him. He's had sex with everyone. Everybody. He's done Yo, business Bernie, with everybody.
2: You know, but this guy this is line. about. And I love it. I
0: it. Do you hear that? Yes. Women and booze are my lifestyle, and I love it. And then Bernie goes, "Yes." He has a golf cart that is, like, modeled after a Porsche, a red Porsche.
1: He's right. going to go to his house, which looks like a, a wing of the Getty. It's the most insane house you've ever seen. Now we see the uh, the hitman coming off as well, dressed like yeah. a Miami Vice extra. I love it. Right, I you, love you, you it. You go ahead and stop it. I so love it. Um, but... So we see Bernie just just so full of I don't, I don't want to say life but full of just he's full of like cocaine and yes. money, right? He is, yeah. he's living at the top of, of 80s mountain. He's the best. Um, and this movie came out in 1989. So this is really, to me, this is just a, a, a yeah, I can't 89. say it enough. 89. Interesting. This is a pitch perfect satire of the previous decade. Mm-hmm. This is, and I, and I, I truly put it up there with American psycho, maybe even a little bit better uh, as a satire because that central joke and Roger Ebert It's is better
0: than the American. Psycho. I read, yeah. I
1: think so. I read Ebert's review and he his big... He hated the movie. His big issue was... This those, movie? Yes. He hated it because it's just a one... He said... And people at the time... This was the general consensus. It's just a one-note movie based on one joke that gets repeated over and over again. But it is such a good joke that never gets old. Seeing dead nope. Bernie being being uh, just sort of <laughs> carted around, dragged around the ha- this Hampton Beach House and everybody interacting with them and everybody's so drunk and, and, and full of coke and, and fucking each other uh. and it is... And there's money. People are trying to buy Porsches from each other. It is the most, like, disgusting, like, uh, 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 just, just sort of surface culture of greed and yeah. excess and self-worship, and they don't know that the at the heart of it all is a dead guy, a guy that is absent of life.
0: Everybody seems to know Bernie. Yes. But nobody knows Bernie. Nobody knows Bernie. And nobody knows anybody. And you can literally die in this society. And the world will keep on spinning. It's mm-hmm. scarier than Seven Seals. It's terrifying. It, this movie is it's, terrifying. It really is. And the 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 corpse horror is like like the the I mean, we'll talk about Italian Americans in this film later, but the Italian American in me was just feeling just like very like, oh my God, you can't disrespect corpses like this. It was very um uh, you know, aggressive in that regard. But Boy oh boy, was it funny! And you're right; it's a more insightful condemnation of um, American uh, capitalism than The Succession. No, it truly is. I was, and I'm amazed that people didn't
1: pick up on it at the time. Uh, the, the the contemporary reviews of it were all pretty negative. Like it's just a
0: dumb comedy with a scent with with one no, it's actually you know what? There's like uh, we've watched '80s comedies before. It's better than a lot of them. It's it's, a it's, lot it's, like, it's like legit good. In my opinion, it is legit funny. It's not like one of these – it's not like funny because it's bad. It's funny because the jokes are landing. They really are. Let's begin with – or not begin, but let's look at um, uh, an example
1: of this. This is uh, 3945, 3945. Uh, This is Andrew McCarthy and uh, Jonathan Silverman. Sorry. What are their characters? This is is Larry and Richard – this is Larry and Richard – uh, they have just realized that Bernie is dead. They find him dead at his beach house, uh, and they're kind of reckoning with it, but also uh, wanting to sort of ignore it and move on with their weekend. And then the party is about to show up at Bernie's house in a big freaking way. <laughs> I love, this. Is great all right, so let's let's start here. This scene
0: is the best.
2: I mean, he had everything: the house, the cars.
0: This I mean. guy. This is all possible. This is the, the only structure. character in a movie for like twenty-five years. I don't is that understand.
2: guy? Why he couldn't wait until Monday to kill himself.
0: Anna
1: McCarthy is sitting, he's touching to the body. He's like he's sitting next to the body. He's a corpse.
2: Just city, just call the police. Knock it off, Larry. Who cares about a ride? We're talking
1: death here. He's saying that now. He will give up that position I mean, in two seconds. How did up?
0: Schwimmer not book? I
2: finally catch a break at the office, finally see some light at the end of the tunnel, and wham! God!
0: God, wait, Terry Kaiser killing waiting it right now. Huh?
2: I mean they 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 might think we had something to do with it You know I told everyone at the office We were going out to Bernie's house for the weekend and They were so jealous I mean I loved it <laughs> Now what am I going to tell them
0: <laughs> Andrew McCarthy is so good at that Just exaggerated Tell him when he got out there he, he was dead Just that Oh but here comes not big one person acting, big Not selling everything very big. Here comes everybody from the beach Everyone from the beach Everyone's and, showing up And they're like we're fucked we got like
1: drunk rich guys. Uh, we got this, the beach babes. We got the whole the Hamptons. Beach?
0: This is what these people are like.
2: And they
1: posed Bernie on the couch, so really? he looks like he's just—he looks like the Bernie's so cool that he still looks great. Master his domain. He looks fantastic right now. His arms are on either side of the couch. People are helping themselves to Bernie's booze. That's the idea, isn't it? Cheers.
0: Incredible Jesus. line.
1: That's out of that's out of like Beckett. That line, like yeah. that is that is a fantastic no, line. Better than, yeah, It's better yeah.
0: than Seven Steel. Right.
2: Hi, Bernie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, I have it cannot be said enough. So weird Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, like impersonation. Yeah. What? There. Bernie, what
0: about your Porsche? I love this. You yeah. yeah.
2: My offer? You know, thirty thousand is more than decent price for that car. Well, you just think about it. Take your time. Don't rush into anything. See you later. It, it's so
0: funny because, like, and it works so good because
2: couldn't you see this happening?
0: That's why it's such so chry- good yeah. satire.
1: And then we have some, like, New York know. kind we of we have art, have the, yeah, art the frauds here. Yeah. Yeah. Nose and Plastic surgeon yeah, talking I, I, about doing I something. miss
0: parties. I love parties.
2: People. Where did all these people come from? Floating party happens every weekend. Like a drink? No,
0: yeah, love Can you am- imagine? Like if I had a house in the Hamptons hey, and someone Bernie said, "Oh, right it's the floating Bernie. party." I, I mean, I would be the, I'd be the, I'd be the curmudgeon. I'd probably. I know I just said I love parties, but I can't just have all these people in my house. Oh man! Oh Bernie! Now he's getting a massage.
2: <laughs>
0: Great stuff. Bernie. I love this. I, I love all got this.
2: For
0: me. And I mean, and people are touching him. Done. They must be feeling, I mean, his skin is, is the clammy Thank skin you know, of death. Bernie has slept with, but it's not like broken there, a, right? a positive relationship with every woman on the island. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, we can stop it here. Uh, that's great. Yeah. It cannot be,
1: it has to be said that there is, because sometimes like, you know, uh, characters will be presented as, as, successful sexually and you can tell it's sort of a character the character's own projection or it's even a projection of the filmmaker like what yes, they imagine it, themselves yes, Brett, to be yes in this movie i have never seen no. a better representation of someone who is who has the best dick in manhattan who is like who is so every every woman no matter if they've like used to sleep with him currently sleep with him wanting to sleep with him everyone is obsessed with bernie he he has a, a transcendent magnetism. He has a magnetism that transcends death. I mean that, that honestly is, is, is the best explanation for why everyone at the party thinks he's still alive. Uh, you know, beyond, uh, all the booze and the Coke and the narcissistic projection and all of that. it, it, it Bernie's just effortless charisma. Uh, the, the aura of that charisma, lingers even after he's dead even after the body is cold and and for an 80s movie you know the 80s being the 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 golden age of scumbags and and sexism and and serial rape in the guise of comedy uh i i can't say i've ever seen a scumbag quite like bernie because he i mean he is a scumbag in the sense that he's a white collar criminal and would be murderer um but when it comes to his sexual and romantic relationships, there is shockingly nothing creepy, nothing non consensual, uh, you know, and, and we see that behavior from some of the other rich scumbags in the Hamptons. Uh, I mean, we even see it from from our our the supposed hero of the movie, Jonathan Silverman's character, who tells his crush every every fucking lie he can think of to get her interested in him. Uh, we also see it with Bernie's mistress, Tina, how she how she pursues him uh, is fairly aggressive uh, and more on that later. But Bernie himself occupies very rare air for an 80s movie. You know, the, the rich womanizer uh, who doesn't rely on aggression or gaslighting or abuse to achieve his sexual goals. It's kind of. For this era, it kind of feels unprecedented. You know, this, <laughs> this this insurance crook with the big dick. I Bernie's dick, Bernie's dick is 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 the central allure of the Hamptons. It is it is it is the magnetic axis around which Manhattan society revolves. I might revise that opinion later. I just wanted to hear what it sounded like out loud. Um so the mobster the mobster that is wanting to kill him. One of the motivations for killing him is not just that he's getting sort of greedy and sloppy. It's also that he's sleeping with the mobster's girlfriend, uh, who is, um, her name is Tina and she is played by the fantastic, uh, Catherine Park. She's very good in this movie. Very funny. Um, but Tina is like risking everything. She is the hardest to uh, fuck Bernie. She has the heart all the time. She has the hardest
0: joke to pull off and she does it with a plum.
1: She does. Let's watch that scene. Uh, when, uh, Tina comes over and, uh, uh, Dying to fuck Bernie, Bernie is dead, uh, and she fucks him well,
0: anyway. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Stop. I'm so sorry, Sebastian. One second. Now, when she's she's going to yell at him, she's not going to have sex. She's not sex crazed, running in to have sex with him. She's going to be mad. That's at That's right. Hold on. I'm That's so sorry. This right. just a, this this. this, this just reemphasizes the point you Thank just you. made is that this woman is feels scorned. She thinks and she's, she's running with else. in yes, to yes, catch yes, him in yes, the yes, act. Yes, but. So the boys put Bernie's dead body up in the bedroom to hide. She says, "Where's the body?" They. She runs up, and Bernie, even in death, is so fucking calm, cool, collected, and charismatic that she thinks he's alive. Uh, he has sex with her, and then she leaves. And I'm sure we'll see. And she just and she didn't just like kind of enjoy it. It was the best sex she's ever had in her life. Yes, and so very I, funny. And yeah. Th- Kind of gross joke, really weird. And when you're watching it, you're like, "Is this? How's this going to work?" But this actor is so funny, this woman, that she murders this scene, and 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 she really brings the laugh. I think at the end of the scene. You cheat. Stronzo, Stronzo. Mm, nothing like a guma scorned. She's walking down the boardwalk towards the house. Oh,
1: incredible, hilarious, oh, incredible entrance. slapstick, Good incredible acting. physical
0: comedy. V- People used to make comedy movies. Bernie!
2: Bernie!
0: This actor's killing it.
1: Where
2: the hell are you son of a bitch. I got you now you 2 twotime
1: bastard. Oh man, she's great. I love it. No, no cuts there it. too. Just give her a big Where's
2: stage. Penny? Let her
0: go to work. Just let her go.'s yes, her...
2: house guest. Who are you? These
0: don't guys are funny. Good woman. movie.:
2: And I'll kill him if he's cheating on me. Great work. And don't try to
0: cover up for me though. He's not here. I've seen him. I don't believe you. I don't, I, I, I'm gonna tear this place apart.
1: Tremendous physical act. Tremendous physical comedy.
2: That's his woman. I guess so.
0: I love it. Bernie's not married and like cheating on her. Like he's like a cool single guy. He's what Bill Maher thinks he is on the weekends. Yes. She comes out of the kitchen with a knife.
1: Where the hell is he?
0: Love it. Great delivery. Alright, so she's going up to murder him. That's how mad she is at <clears> him <throat> right now. She's so mad. She's fallen all over the what house. And she's going to gonna murder Bernie's ass. It's yes. you know, an impossibly big, sharp the knife, dude.
2: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love the sitting area and the bar in this house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I read that they built this house for the
1: movie and then tore it down afterwards.
0: You're fucking me. Nope.
1: And they also filmed this in South Carolina, okay? Uh, not in uh the Hamptons. Not in the Hamptons, but it has you know outer banks. I mean that's North Carolina, but that coastline looks like the Hamptons. So,
0: so she finds Bernie she alone. In, he's alone on the bed. She she takes off her immediately her coat?
1: strips down to her uh, negligee. The hitman is watching from outside with binoculars. He sees them fucking. I know.
0: I could. I, I literally couldn't believe it was happening. While I was watching this, and I and I, I, my my I was just like turning into my mouth. Uh, my gate mouth was going into a big smile well, right around kid? here. She's like I can't believe this is the joke. This is 10, great. And minutes.
1: I love that they use it for a plot point because now the hitman thinks that Bernie is alive. He thinks that he didn't kill yeah, Bernie and, and, because yeah. he sees uh he sees Bernie fucking. She comes out singing to herself,
0: happy She's as a clam, tap dancing down the stairs. Listen to her. I mean, that's like. I mean, has anybody ever? I mean, not as far as I know. Multiple orgasms later. She is just heaven right now. Incredible. Very funny. Incredible forms.
2: Hmm.
0: Smoking a cigarette.
2: Got a little scotch?
0: Oh. Sure. All right, we can stop it there. I love that Like these guys are immediately left off the... They're left off. They're let off the criminal hook immediately. Like mm-hmm. they were afraid that they were about to get caught in a criminal act, and then immediately, an entire party comes in where everybody is doing the same thing. They could just have just. They could have just walked away. They could have just fallen away, and they're they're given that opportunity like fifty times during the movie, and they keep making the wrong choice, and it's very very funny. But sorry, to f- focus back on that scene. I mean, we don't need to talk about the sexual logistics of the scene. I don't think that no. we need to go into that. No. I think we just needed to harp on what you were harping on, which was that, like, man, like, what was this guy like when he was alive? Right.
1: His sexuality survives his death, uh, regardless of logistics, whatever. Who like, cares about mortis, all that? So whatever, so whatever. whatever. But he— Boring. Right. But his 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 sexual charisma survived his death. Or the thing—I think to go back to the satire, I think the central message of Weekend at Bernie's is that is that the— 1980s in America and really just American culture in general is so fundamentally narcissistic that everybody, mm. everything is projection, right? Everything is projection onto an abyss so that Bernie is an absence. He is nothing. He is whatever you thought he was, whatever whatever he was is no more. But onto that abyss, everyone projects. Um, so she finds him. Alone, Right. She thought he was going to be with someone else. She finds him alone. And so she's her thought is he is he's not cheating on me. He's faithful. He's in bed. He's waiting for me. She's doing all the work and then projects all of that onto an absence, onto a nothing. Right. So everyone is living in their own private fantasy worlds. And Bernie becomes Bernie's dead body becomes this mirror
0: onto which all their fantasies and desires you know, reflect themselves. That's, that's, that is one attitude, but I find it rather cynical. The other way to frame it is that this guy rocked so hard in life that the party continued into death because remember if Bernie didn't die, he would still do everything he did this weekend. Everybody would come up to him, pat him on the back. Women would jump into his lab. He would do cocaine. He would have sex with his guma. He would fucking go on a speedboat race and guess what he would be happy as a fucking clam.
1: But if that's true, then that is a presence of something. That is a presence of a charisma. And the, the charisma exists in its absence. How can something exist in its absence if it's not being... If it's not being uh, fabricated from the outside, if it's not people projecting onto him that thing that they think he possesses, I think maybe he's he's a
0: specific guy. I'm not saying, you know, it's the life for me, but I'm saying I bet he was pretty happy with it. I will say this. The
1: metaphysics of of Weekend and Bernie are 10 times more fascinating than the metaphysics of Seven Seal. The the like Mm -hmm. the this. And and Mm -hmm. it's because it is. And it's because they don't talk about it. No one, no one is, there's no reveries on death. Mm-hmm. There are no monologues on death. Mm-hmm. Everything is, is about avoiding death and erasing it and trying to obscure mm-hmm. it and trying to toss it. up. Literally at one point, Bernie's body flips over the balcony, lands on the beach. Uh, I, I think they're going to freak out and run down and try to get it. They don't. They're just like, who. And then they go back to the party. They're like, oh, we can just leave him there for a while, right? Mm-hmm. There is, It's all about sort of trying to avoid the presence of death in your midst. Mm-hmm. And that I, – I don't know. I, I think yeah. themes are much more interesting when people are trying to avoid reckoning
0: with them instead of reckoning with them directly. Okay. I hear you. But think about this. Are we um, – Fetishizing the negative space and this is about me and you being honest in our assessment people that we are looking at film So we are padding weekend at Bernie's on the back for not going into it And we are mad at Bergman for having the balls to be honest and go into it Tell me about how you fear death Tell me what what your thoughts are as you know death surrounds you constantly And in, and that's what we didn't like about it. I was rolling my eyes at sort of the, you know, sort of obnoxiousness of like theater kids and their philosophies, but I'm, I'm crediting weekend at Bernie's for not talking about it and all the things that we are reading into it. I just want to quick for Bergman's sake, before we just dispel of the seventh seal Are me and you fetishizing the negative space, are we bringing our own inferences to this? And we're so excited. We're so electrified by our own insights that we think our insights and our framing of weekend at Bernie's is actually more interesting than what's actually there. And in the seventh seal, when somebody bears their soul and heart to us, we say "fuck off." Thoughts on that? Yes, I, I double, double triple check. I see your point. I think this goes back to two things. One,
1: it goes back to the central question of this podcast, mm. which is what makes a good movie, what makes a movie good or what makes a movie. I think both these movies are great. What makes Absolutely. a movie better than another? What what yeah. gives it the edge? And I think giving the audience space for interpretation is part of what makes a good movie. And so your point is well taken, but it also goes back to what I was saying about the art, the, the auteur as fascist, the auteur as uh, being too heavy handed, too full of themselves, too much of the um, you're too. Like, like, I'm going to tell you, let me just, you just sit there and I'm going to tell you everything because I'm the smartest man in the universe. I am a, a, you know, my, I I am a, I am a writer par excellence. I'm going to take you through every single idea in this movie step by step. Right. And I think it's the risk of treating movie as philosophy, which is, you know. I also think when we're talking about Bergman, there's a whole generation of filmmakers then that aren't as smart as Bergman, Woody Allen, who like try to mimic that style and I think fall into the same trap of like of it is hard to make a movie to make to make philosophy as film or film as philosophy uh, because you are relying on these direct to, like direct from point A to point B monologues in which in which ideas are being spelled out, in which characters represent uh, ideologies or characters represent, um, Mm -hmm. uh, ethical conflicts instead of being, uh, you know, multidimensional human characters. Um, and so I think, you know, it is a warning to, 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 to auteurs like Bergman, you know, uh, elbow the audience out at your own risk. And the seventh seal, I think is something to marvel at. It does give me things to think about, but it's, it's fascinating to me that my, uh, Watching Seven Seal was a very passive experience for me. Absolutely. And weekend at Bernie's, I felt uh, my mind was like electric the whole time, in trying to make sense of this, and trying to find mm-hmm. what uh, you know what this what this could be an analogy for, what this could mean, what this could, uh, while also just enjoying
0: the beat by beat comedy of it. Yeah. Um. I, I I I when Seventh Seal ended, I said, "Thank God." When weekend at Bernie's right? ended, I said, "I want to watch that again." Bring on the sequel. I um. I hear you. I just wanted it's just a gut check. No, that's just a gut an excellent check. Excellent point. That's an excellent okay. point. And I think this this podcast ultimately
1: will be an ongoing exploration of, of what makes what makes movies good, what makes a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I do think giving the audience space for interpretation is an aspect of what makes a good movie. And uh, not that the mm-hmm.
0: seven seal, but the I, it,
1: seven seal yeah, really doesn't have that. It kind of spells everything out. It, it kind does. of like it, and, and it's brilliant in the way that it does it. Um, but everything is is spoken. Um, even even the characters' uh, conflicts and crises of conscience are are spelled out in a way that they. They have room for interpretation of their own situation, but you really don't have room for interpretation of their situation. The conflict is all inside the characters, but it's spelled out so definitively. This is, this is the one side of the conflict. This is the other side of the conflict. This is why I am anguished. This is why uh, I am spiritually conflicted. And so the, the experience of watching it, like I said, becomes very passive.
0: I, it was a passive watch, and I felt more connected to weekend at Bernie's, and I felt I felt the. I felt. I I agree with it. No, I, I, and and I felt the, I felt the thrill of watching Bernies, and I felt the passivity of watching Seven Seal. But I, I, I just want to make sure because here's what I'm, here's what I'm, uh, yes, here's I guess where my panic lies. We are about to never watch the Seven Seal ever again as long as we live, and we're about to champion weekend at Bernies. Yeah, I know. And I just want to like gut check the fuck out of ourselves before we make the decision. We both agree on something. We much liked watching Weekend at Bernie's more. And maybe that's just enough, and I feel like that's the direction we're heading. But I just want to make sure we're not liking it because we're bringing our – I mean, you know what? Maybe we are bringing ourselves to it, bringing our interpretations and our context, and we're putting that on top of it. But maybe that's what watching a movie is. <laughs> Look, maybe I, it's indecipherable. Damn. Maybe it's indecipherable how we feel about things and who we are and where we're from. And maybe that's why Weekend at Bernie's and all that we've been through, even though we've just been through you know, the, quote-unquote, the Crusades and and the, quote-unquote, play. Big, even though we've been with, done that. And even though, you know, even though we just lived through all that death and all of that, like fear, I thought my dad was going to die. Everyone thought their dad was going to die. Mom, like, everyone thought everyone was going to die. People died. A million people died and we come out of that and none of that speaks to us. And, but, but the, but what, what culturally really like hits resonates and all of the things that we understand come out of the economics and the and the capitalism and the eighties and the that's like that's something that we understand as if the whole entire tidal wave of death and destruction did nothing for us. Or at least what Bergman is uh, is saying uh, happens after the plague and the Crusades, you know, with, that just fucking bored us. Let's be, it, it bored us. So we've been through two. There's like the, there's those traumas, and then there's the traumas of the, the economy and the traumas of our of our of our system. Those really like seem to uh, uh, be attached to us. We really like understood how mm-hmm. to like speak to those, but maybe we haven't reckoned with the fucking death sincerely enough as a society, to appreciate Bergman. And in 15 years, I'm going to be sitting on my couch watching Weekend at Bernie's. And not and be being like, allowed to yeah, watch we 7 We get Steel. it. Capitalism is bad. Fucking Christ, I get it. And and feel nothing about death art and but culture. The thing,
1: that I, the thing that I like about uh, uh, Weekend at Bernie's, reading it as a satire of the 80s, of American capitalism, of American narcissism, is I don't think it's fully intentional. And I think this goes back to what makes a great movie. I think sometimes the best metaphor the best art is, is to some degree accidental. It's just the right place at the right time the right story, the right joke, the right visual metaphor that hits in a certain way, and I like that about Weekend and Bernie's, that Seventh Seal is 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 so intentional, it is is someone who has. I mean, I read, I read, went back and read the script of the Seventh Seal. It reads like a novel. It reads mm. there's an introduction. He wrote a he mm. wrote an introduction to his own script in which everything is spelled out, the philosophy of it. There and, and look, the philosophy is a philosophy of conflict, right? These, these irresolvable issues. And that's that to me is ultimately the irony of the Seventh Seal, is it is about. Irresolvable ideas, right? This um, uh, wanting to believe in God but having no evidence of his existence, right? The silence of God, right? This, is, this, this vast silence. He never speaks back. We speak, uh, you know, religious people in the Middle Ages speak to him. He doesn't speak back. This, this, um, You know, on the other hand, uh, this desire to sort of live for the moment and live uh, for pleasure and live for sex and live for uh, humor, um, all the while knowing that it's all for nothing because death erases everything and leaves nothing behind of you, right? Um, So there's all these irresolvable conflicts, central human irresolvable conflicts in Seven Seal, but we don't get to partake in them because the the characters get to partake in them and it's done in such a meticulous, detailed way that – it always feels like someone else's problem. And it does it mm-hmm. never feels like we are invited into the conflict. Mm-hmm. Whereas weekend at Bernie's, I felt uh I felt You're like, living it's why the comedy because works because you have to kind of you Make have to choices. figure out yeah. the the game of the movie and yeah. figure out what's interesting and important about it. Cause I, I think it is I think a lot of what I'm saying is accidental. Even though I think the the director and the writer are very smart, they made other movies that that have, you know, that that you know they weren't just making shitty, nothing popcorn movies. Both of these, the director and the writer have decent filmographies. Yeah. So I think there was some intention of that. For sure. But I think you were also, I think I think some of it was accidental and some of it is gonna, is is an interpretation that we are bringing to it. But I love that. It makes me feel, um, there's an aspect of discovery to it. And then I love reading Ra- Roger Ebert, who is the best. And I love, I love reading him, in my opinion, completely missing the point. And then being able to sort of
0: have that, you know, Dialogue with mm-hmm. the Robert Ebert, Ebert review. Um, and so. So look, I'm glad that we talked about it because I just don't want everybody thinking like, Oh, they're just too clever by half. They like weekend up Bernie's more than seventh seal. Like that's no, not it at no, all. Like no, honestly, we're being honest we, with you. We, 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 we really we came like into it this fairly. Out. There was, there's lots of weird old movies that are kooky as fuck and have no narrative that I'm going to like, I walk over, you know, fire for cause they're the best. This wasn't one of them. Next week. I'm going to stack the deck in the opposite direction. So we're going to seem like so smart and
1: sophisticated. You're, you guys
0: are, that, that, that's not that's not my concern. My concern is like, it's funnier to pick weekend at Bernie's and not, and we're not trying to be funny. That's like, not it. They're, they're, it was, the, the active passive is my favorite way to describe this. Joe, it? we, we are, lived through Weekend at Bernie's yes. and we watched The we, yes, seal. Exactly. I Seal. That I feel. Exactly. That I feel in my and heart. And so – Is, here, that, what, is here, that what we're saying here? Yeah, t- yes. Yeah, here yeah. is
1: the central problem though is that we are now going to enter – I think we're both picking Weekend at Bernie's as the better movie, meaning the movie we enjoyed more, meaning the movie we got more out of. I'd rather
0: watch Weekend at Bernie's again.
1: That's it. That's, we cannot – we cannot dance around Sorry, I'm just being we honest. We have to be honest. We have to be honest about this. And I care about film culture, the, history. Well, this is the I problem care about now. that. This is the problem. We are now going to enter a world of our own making in which we are no longer. That, Joe, that was the last time we ever watched The Seventh Seal. That was the very last time we ever watched it. I uh, I have a seven-month-old son at home. You're about to have a son in September. Yeah. We are not going to be able to watch The Seven Seal with our,
0: with our children. You know what? Honestly... I that that hit me like 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 nothing. Okay. Well, there you go. That's the that's the uh, test. Know, right. There are like and it, it, this it's 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 not because it, I'm joking about black and white. It's not that. It's not that. It's because the movie was okay. Yeah. It was good. It yeah. was really good. And like there's they do a lot of good things. I've watched a lot of fucking movies. Yeah. And guess this, what? This we, wasn't one of them. We got a lot more Bergman. And, we got there's a lot more Bergman. Yeah, there's better ones. I've I can I've seen three of them. I'm pretty sure Wild Strawberries came out the year before this, and it's like far superior it came out the same year 1957 Um, I don't feel maybe what I'm trying to hype myself up for now is just being like I don't feel bad like if Bergman wanted me to pick it over Weekend at Bernie's it should have made a fucking seventh seal better it's just a little it's just a boring movie and with my son why the fuck would my son want to watch the seventh seal wouldn't he want to watch Weekend at Bernie's it's about two guys dragging a corpse around the Hamptons and everybody partying with it and really really funny I feel like he wouldn't care about the seventh look unless he's like a film nerd loser like us then he would be like fuck dad, like I gotta watch seven seal, but I'm really happy. I can tell my son because of this podcast, l- l- like, like, like son 20 years l- ago, let me, let me, let me stop you right there. Oh, the seventh seal. Uh, he plays chess with death. Get it. The- clay Thompson. Don't, made do, a, that. Made an don't ad about do that. Don't do that. Don't do that to your son. Let him give him the,
1: give <laughs> no, him the freedom that we had. Now give him the freedom that we had. No, that's fine. You're just not no, uh, uh, allowed to, allow to watch
0: it with him. You're not going to allowed to watch it with him. You're going to have to press play. Hey, I'm going to watch seven seal. Great. I'm going to go upstairs and watch basketball because I'm not fucking boring. Yeah, I'm going upstairs to watch fucking Raptors Sixers. Good night. Hey, I'm okay, going to sit tomorrow a, morning, come down for breakfast, and Pa's going to play an old podcast of his with Uncle Brett. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit <laughs> I'm going to sit my son down and
1: say say you can watch The Seventh Seal and I hope you do, mm, but then and watch, I'm excited to hear what you think about yeah. it. I cannot join you on that journey nah. because 20 years ago, I'm eight, gonna go upstairs 18 years basketball. ago, I recorded a podcast with Uncle Joe Man. in which we uh, uh, decided that A Weekend at Bernie's was a better movie than The Seven Seal. And, and because of our contractual obligations in right. making this podcast, we no, neither of us are able to watch The Seven Seal ever again. Nah. So I cannot come on this journey with you, my no. son. But I wish you the best, and I'm excited to hear what you think about this movie. I love that.
0: I think that's true, and I think he'll be like, okay. Okay, Dad. I didn't really want to watch Seven Seal again anyway. Wait. I can't wait to find out what my son would is. I know me too. I'm he, my son, how about this. I, I'll never watch it again as long as I live because of the podcast. Um but if my son's a film lover of, of course you should check Seven w- Seal. We should but be, like you should like, be clear. You, could, you should check it out but like don't Fucking, like, go to the film forum and spend tw- – just watch it on fucking streaming because it's boring. You're not – you know, it's fine. It's good. It's important to watch, but it's certainly not like a, oh, it's playing at midnight at IFC. Let's get down to the fucking theater. I'll go on the subway. Zero yeah, percent chance.
1: And also uh, watch Persona. Watch, watch so much uh, Fanny and Alexander. Watch uh, Smiles of Summer Night. Um, there's a lot more Bergman out Lots there. Lots of Nazi
0: derivative content Bergman made that you're going to really enjoy.
1: Ber- Bergman – I mean – Anyway, here, here,
0: look, look, he a, a Nazi. he was
1: a literal, a literal Nazi. He, according to you, he, he loved. No, not mind. according to me. According to himself, words out of his own mouth. He, he. Well, I'm he, sure you had a
0: source. I, I, I didn't mean that as. Year, a, as but a slap years down.
1: later, when you would expect someone to, to, uh, uh sort of so have have come up with some sort of some sort of rationalization, he was still basically like, nah, I found the guy charismatic. Uh, I didn't really know about the concentration camp stuff till after the war, but I he, you, you did know that your brother was so def- right.
0: defacing a, 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 a Jewish yeah. businesses with swastikas. You don't need to know about the Holocaust to not have been a Nazi. Thank you. There was like plenty Thank of you. reasons to not like them, like but be far before the Holocaust, it's which a huge is obviously problem. the number one problem. But I'm saying like it's a huge problem. But the Holocaust was born out of like a culture. That is not, that was really fucking yeah. bad. And like Bergman, bad, bad look. And we're not talking about like
1: Bowie so, no, so no, not like out that. of his head no, no. on no, no. cocaine and like milk no. that, he, that he didn't know what he was no, doing. We're no, we're not doing we're, that. And we're, and also here. not
0: defending that, no. but we're not, but, no, but we're, we're not like, saying this is someone
1: who that. like ideologically decided to align himself with the Nazis. No, he
0: liked, he picked up what they were putting down. Yes. What they were putting down was just fucking, you know, fear and hate speech and I'll calling say, people I want to hear, I've
1: never been, I've admired the artistry. I've never been a huge Bergman fan if you're Nor a Bergman I'm. fan how do you reckon with this how do you reckon with Berg- Bergman's Nazism it seems to be so, sort of still a secret uh, I had to really dig to find much about it uh, so let us know what you think Because look I know uh, you know again you go into the past it's nothing but nothing but shit back there uh, but this is a pretty big piece of shit so uh, Bergman fans let us know let us know what you think at Weekend Bergman on Twitter let us know what you think about the man whose name is in the title of our podcast too late to change it now speaking of our podcast that concludes the first episode of weekend at Bergman's, uh,
0: I had a blast. Uh, we can never weekend at Bernies is going in the canon. Weekend at Bernies is first film in our canon. Uh, and the seventh Bergman's The Seventh Seal. It's number like one with the AFI's. Bullets. You know, hundred We can Never watch it again. Never watch it again. Can again. never to watch. It Not again. even if our son's like pa. And again, look, we can please and- pa. I want to learn. What about movies and culture. Like sorry, I. What if he I loves it and then he wants me to watch it his with favorite them. movie? Oh, oh and, and, and you know what? This, these kids, they're gonna love the trash cannon these kids all they love all they just want if we zig they sag and I cannot these stress kids.
1: enough we came into this we are not. Uh, we are not uh, uh, coming to this uh, with a snobby perspective, as you can tell now. W- we are not coming we're just in with trying an to be anti-snobby honest. perspective. We're not coming in with a sort of hyper, hyper, uh, uh, ironic kind of kitsch perspective. <laughs> I'm not trying. To, we're um, not trying to be funny.
0: Watch the two films back are, to back. You'll agree with our assessment. Yes. Nine out of ten. Let people, us know. Follow it. us. Uh,
1: Watch the movies at Weekend Bergman on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Let us know what you think. TikTok. Uh, we're going to be on TikTok as well. We're going to put clips. We're going to be talking about uh, doing hot takes of uh, film stuff up we're there. Not snob, we're not snobs. We're not up our fun. own asses. Check us out on TikTok. Next week, we're going to be watching In the Mood for Love. Uh, Wong Kar-Way's In the Mood for Love, representing the art house, of course. And we're also going to be watching another movie about love and desire, the 2010 film She's Out of My League. And we'll see what we think of those movies. We will not lie to you. We will be completely now,
0: honest. And you guys be honest to us. Tell us That's what it. you thought about these two movies. Don't lie. No, do you like the Seven Seal? Do you don't like Weekend lie. at Bernie's? Both have pros, both have cons. We didn't, you know, this is fine. The end of the podcast, I'm not gonna go into it now. You know, weekend at Bernie's wasn't, you know, 100 percent you know, fair to Italian Americans. We'll get to this kind of stuff later. Don't, don't worry about it right now. You know, so like pros and cons, pros and cons, but weekend and bernies won out. And um That was fun. You know, I I wondered what you thought, because yeah. I could totally I, I, when I'm watching Weekend at Bernie's I knew you liked it more but um, I was shocked though I was but, sure I was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna never I, watch Seven, I, Seven I, Seal again I, I, I'm did, not... I didn't know until the end of the film and I was like you know what the fucking fuck is this, mil- this movie's better and Brett well, and yeah. me because well, here's the thing the same. last
1: point on Weekend at Bernie's uh, I, the, the second half of the movie does devolve into sort of uh, gags at the expense it's of funny. content a little bit but there's. it never falls off the cliff I keep waiting it's third act. I it's kept waiting cres- for to it to go. fall off the cliff no. for the gags to become too much gag no. not enough sort of not enough thread of the you know no, but it movie. never falls off the cliff because you always have that central image It's funnier of than Terry the Kaiser's lifeless body being tossed around uh, treated like absolute trash and it's there's something about it that final scene that final scene where he, they think uh, everything has resolved itself somehow. They get the the hitman gets caught. Uh, uh, Jonathan Silverman gets the girl. Andrew McCarthy's gonna stay in the Hamptons for a couple days and party. <laughs> Everybody's happy, yeah. and then Bernie. Uh, on the stretcher oh, so falls out of the ambulance rolls down the the walkway towards the beach terry kaiser's body flips out of the uh, stretcher and falls on the beach right behind them they don't know he's there but the way his body flops down he's in this weird little hey gotcha he's in this little hey ooh. it's so funny. terry kaiser is so good at doing that the smirk of death The just the, the 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 cool smirk of death and then a bikini babe walks by on the beach and says hey bernie Great party last night, and that their eyes go wide, and they turn around, and they go, "Oh no!" Like we can't get rid of this guy. But it is the the the, the, the image of Terry Kaiser, his body, the way he looks. It just it just never ceased to to to, to fascinate me and to fill Very me funny. with 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 things to think about. I love Weekend of Bernies. It's in the canon. Absolutely. Uh, make sure to come back next week. Follow us on social. This was a blast. Can't wait to go on this journey with you all. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you. Bye. Bye-bye.